Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Are you a business owner or executive who needs more results from your marketing team? Do you struggle to measure the results of your marketing spend? Or do you need to spend less time running marketing personally? A metrics marketer fractional CMO can help. A fractional CMO delivers measurable results and value by combining real-world experience with a proven marketing framework and process, all at a fraction of the price of a full-time marketing leader. We manage and enhance your existing marketing team while creating programs designed to drive awareness, revenue, and growth for your company. Let us create, manage, and deploy a marketing strategy to help you reach your goals faster. Visit yourfcmo.com, that's yourfcmo.com, to request a free, no-obligation consultation. Mention 3YPC for a special discount of 10% off our services. Grow your business faster with a fractional CMO. Chris and the guys at Greenview Construction LLC are a firm offering professional services in design and, of course, construction. And they are proud to announce that they've completed design and 3D renderings for two-spec home models located in the Jupiter and Palm Beach Gardens area, sitting on over one-acre lots. Now, they've got four lots available for these model homes. The first is a British West Indies model style, totaling just over 4,500 square foot, air-conditioned space, five bedrooms, five bathrooms, and they boast 16-foot ceilings in some areas. The second, more traditional style home, 3,100 square foot, air-conditioned space, four bedrooms and four baths. So they boast 14-foot ceilings in some areas. Both models will have a free-flowing layouts that connect the kitchen, the family room, living room, library, I mean library, a den, an outdoor lanai, and both models will have an option to add a detached in-law suite if you really want the in-laws to move in, and a garage totaling an additional 1,000 square foot. You can visit Chris and the team online at www.greenviewconstruction.com. You can email Chris Tyson, that's C Tyson, as in Mike Tyson, C Tyson, at greenviewconstruction.com. Or you can call 561-727-5013. They're also on Facebook, they're on Instagram, they're on Twitter. Just look for Greenview Construction. And if that wasn't enough, they have an appointment-only showroom at 715 Commerce Way West, Suite 14 in Jupiter, Florida. This show is brought to you by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is a revolutionary new daily fantasy game whereby you pick two, three, or four players to go over or under their fantasy point projections. And if you're correct you win. Pick two or more players from the same sport or league or go cross leagues for your parlay. Use the promo code 5, that's F-I-V-E, 5, and receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. But first, sign up at prizepicks.com to start winning today. Welcome to Three Yards Per Caddy, a podcast covering the Miami Dolphins and the NFL. Now, here's your hosts, Chris, Alf, and Simon. And we're on, and welcome to another edition of Three Yards for Carry. These are our draft guide shows. Hello, Simon. Hello, Alf. All right. Chris is not here, by the way, because he's preparing for his, uh, his trip to Las Vegas, of which I am also going to be on. So he's not here, but we do have Simon here. And Simon has done it once again. 
His draft guide is out right now. You can get it. Tell the people how they can get this draft guide because I'm perusing it right now, and I tend to agree with a few of your rankings. Cool. Uh, well, if you go to, uh, there's a link at read optional, or one word, read optional, like in a read option play, read optional.substack.com forward slash P forward slash draft guide. That is where you will, um, that's where you can find it. In fact, you don't even need to have the P in. You can just read optional.substack.com forward slash draft guide. Or you can go to my Twitter at Cyclancy or at Gridiron or at the re, uh, at Read Optional, which is where you'll find it. And essentially, it's seven dollars, um, and you subscribe to Read Optional, which you can unsubscribe as whatever you like. But it just gives you access to the to all the Read Optional uh, written work that Ollie Connolly does, which is amazing, and also the the draft guide. Um, but you can download the draft guide and then unsubscribe to the Read Optional. It's just a kind of option for people that want to stay on and kind of have good readings. Uh, so yeah, that's where you get it. Yeah, and 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 I'm pretty sure that you will log on to the three yards per carry Twitter account and put an ad on there as well, right? Absolutely, absolutely, I shall. Yeah, and I'm looking through this thing, and just like last year, it's colorful, it's succinct. Like uh, you get a, I don't know how to how to call this, but I guess it's the skinny. It's basically the straight, uh, the straight scoop on a player. Then you have like a deep dive. Then you talk about off the field issues, or if not, or if he's, you know, actually a, a Boy Scout. Uh, but it's pretty thorough. It's as thorough a draft guide as I've ever seen. And I used to buy Mel Kuypers for the better part of 20 years. So this is a very good looking thing. It's 123 pages by my Adobe. I don't know if it, how many it comes out to other. It was 123,000 words. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot, <laughs> but yeah, it's a, it's an, it's a great, it's a great guide. Like just get it, uh, do what I do also, you know, I go and I have it printed out, you know, so I could have it handy and the draft guide too. I will have the, that in Las Vegas. So I'll be, that'll be my, my cheat sheet. Okay. While I'm there for, for three days where I, I, and basically what all we're going to do is just watch the board. And then just wait for two picks that the Dolphins will or will not make on day two, late on day two. But yeah, as always, this show is brought to you by Manscaped. Use promo code 5RSN and get 20% off your entire order. All right, let's start with uh, defensive lineman. Interior or exterior? Uh, let's go exterior. Let's go, let's, call, let's, let's go with some edge players. Uh, Simon, do you care to guess what's the surest thing in the NFL draft going on? How many years is this? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten years. What's the surest thing in the NFL draft? Uh, defensive lineman will go in the top three, top ten. I don't know. Well, that didn't happen this past year because Jalen Phillips went a little later. Yeah. But the surest thing is if you take the first edge player in the NFL draft, you have yourself a Pro Bowl performer, although we don't know about Jalen Phillips. Right. But you pretty much have yourself a very, very good player for a very long time. Uh, let's start in 2013 where Deion Jordan got taken third. Okay, let's pass 2013. Let's start in 2014, Jadavian Clowney. 15, Leonard Williams. 16, Joey Boza. 
17, Miles Garrett. 18, Bradley Chubb. 19, Nick Bosa. Uh, 20 is Chase Young. And last year was Jalen Phillips. That's a pretty good run at the top of the, e- of the edge draft list, which begs the question, who do you have as number one? And does he belong in this group? Um, Aiden Hutchinson, just about. Um, you know, you're going to get a high floor prospect. I think, um, yeah, he reminds me of Justin Smith a little bit. The old 49ers and Bengals mm. player, a little bit lighter, although I thought he played heavier than he weighed at the combine. Um, you know, he is not going to necessarily beat you running the arc every snap. He's not the quickest off a snap, but he is a athletic, hardworking, inside-outside guy. Can play the run. He ticks a lot of boxes. He has a pass rush plan. He gives you 60 minutes of complete all-out effort. Um, he's just a really good player. You know, he can, uh, you know, he's convert speed to power. Um, he'll chop hands away. He'll knife through using dips or rips or swims or push pulls. Uh, he can control the tempo of his rush. You know, he won't offer you the same menu twice in terms of what he delivers. Um, you know, he's not going to run the arc down one, run the arc down two. He will cut inside. He will counter. He will, you know, all those sorts of things. Um, so you're going to get in 60 minutes of a tough time. Um, and he just doesn't take a playoff. Uh, great kid off the field as well. Um, so, yeah, a real sort of mature, intelligent, high-character team captain. Yeah, and highly productive, 14 sacks yeah. last, last yeah. season, and 16-and-a-half tackle for losses. Uh, all of that absolutely checks out. And when we move off of him, um, next-gen stats is quickly becoming one of my favorite things to peruse because if they're anything but definitive and – I guess hot takey would be the, the word because they have takes. They consider only Aiden Hutchinson and Kayvon Thibodeau as the only two first round edge players or the only two players that are worthy of being taken in the first round. I don't know what Trayvon Walker did to them, but your thoughts on the Georgia edge player and is he the best in that in that group of Georgia defenders? I think it's such an interesting question about the Georgia defenders because you look at them across the line. You've got, you know, Trayvon Walker, you've got Jordan Davis, you've got Devonta Wyatt, you've got Channing Tindall, Quay Walker, Nakobe Dean at the second level, you've got Lewis Sign, Derion Kendrick. Um, next year, you'll have Keely Ringo, who'll be a high first round pick. So, which of those players benefited most out of the other brilliant players around them? And it's a really interesting question to answer. I don't think it was Walker because I think he's probably got the highest ceiling potentially of any player in the draft. Like, again, he's not going to be this kind of guy who will end up with 15, 20 sacks a season. But he's got this combo platter of speed and versatility and power um, that is kind of second to none. I just highlight a play against Alabama. He takes on um, this combo block of Evan Neal, who's a top five pick, top eight pick, and Cameron Latu, the tight end, who will be, a, a, you know, one of the higher rated tight ends next year in the draft. Stuns the pair at the line of scrimmage, locks out Neil with one arm, long right arm, holds him, rips away, shoves, essentially shoves Neil, you know, almost to the floor, avoids Latu by shoving past him, and then takes down Brian Robinson, a 227-pound running back with one arm. I mean, he is a, you know, incredibly athletic. And I and I never fall in love with guys who are just good testers. But Fastest ever 40 for an edge rusher over 270 pounds. The 11th best broad jump of an edge rusher of all time. The fourth best three cone. But it's not workout warrior stuff because his, his performances show up again and again on tape, whether that's physicality against the run, whether it's playing inside, outside, whether it's 
you know, you see him against Florida dropping back into coverage, almost making an interception, um, you know, looking like a 230 pound linebacker. So he is uh, comes from a, a Marine family. His father served in Operation Desert Storm. So he's very smart. He was well brought up. He's kind of just that freak of nature athletically. Um, and I think he can do a number of things as just this versatile, you know, you look at his art, his, his strength, his understanding of leverage, uh, all those sorts of things. Uh, he's got heavy hands. Um, I really like him. I think he's a really interesting player. And what do you make of, you know, and not to harp on next-gen stats, but that's a pretty definitive statement to say that only two guys are worthy of a first-round pick. You obviously disagree because I've, yeah, I mean, I've been reading through your draft guide and you like about four guys, I would say. Am I right? Four guys to go in the first round? Yeah, I mean, I think Davis will go in the first round. I think um, Tyndall will go. I, I think uh, Nakobe Dean will go in the first round. I think Lewis Simon will probably go in the first round and Walker will go in the first round. So, and then you look at, you know, you look at Quay Walker, linebacker, Channing Tindall. These are solid day two picks. Darian Kendrick had run faster than a 475 at the at his pro day. He would have gone in, a, you know, probably gone on day two as well. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I think there's a lot of good players on that Georgia defense. And All they're just right. good players for good players' sake, you know. It doesn't have to always, there doesn't always have to be a kind of a, you know, well, who's the, it, maybe it's just a collection of really good footballers and that's what it looks like. Mm-hmm. Now, maybe it's uh, that first name that I mentioned when I rattled off all those names in a row that have been like successes. It, it kind of sucks, though, that the Dolphins are the only one that don't have a success in the last 20, last 10 years, taking uh, the first edge player in Dion Jordan, although he's still playing like yeah. he, he's on a 49ers roster right now. But that takes us to Kayvon Thibodeau. Is it just unfortunate? We're just remembering other Oregon edge players that have not necessarily pan, panned out. And he's getting saddled with that. Is he the real deal, or is there is there reason for concern or suspicion? I think there's a reason, a little bit of a reason for concern in that, you know, he plateaued a little bit. I felt in 2021, obviously there was an injury. He missed a couple of games with the ankle injury. He has got the best get off in the draft, or the second best get off actually in the draft. He's got great ability, quickness to get off the line of scrimmage. I wonder about his ability to bend completely. I don't think he's ultra flexible. Um, but uh, he's an incredibly confident and I think so he, you know he's incredibly well read he's very intelligent he um, when he went to Oregon he wanted to find out what the plan was for a life outside football he's interested in the media he's interested in being a lawyer he has um, you know He's a, a chess lover. He'll challenge strangers to games on Venice Beach. He has his own cryptocurrency. He worked with Phil Knight um, to set up an NFT whilst he was at Oregon in terms of work, so working with Nike. Um, he worked with the guy who created Air Jordans and, and Phil Knight to, to set up this. He's got all sorts of things going on away from football that he is very interested in. Life, you know, and the NFL is scared of difference. The NFL is scared of change. The NFL doesn't want individuals. Peter King reported a couple of weeks ago that one GM who met with him in Indy said he found him to be a me guy. Um, and that may be that why his stock is taking a bit of a tumble. You know, he turned up at the combine, ran a 450-440, and then said he was tired and wanted to go home, which he just did. And that turned a few teams <laughs> off. Um, yeah, I would say so. Yeah, you know, he's got a modern edge body. You know, his arm length isn't ideal, but he's got that great explosion. He can drop off into coverage, although he doesn't look in- entirely comfortable. And there are games against so against Washington State, against Abraham Lucas, where he's shut down. There are other games where he looks absolutely dominant. He's got good hands. 
I think he'll probably come in the league and have a fairly big impact. Um, but I don't think he'll be for everybody's taste because the NFL, like I said, just doesn't find difference, sexy, interesting, important. Um, so I can see why teams are a little bit worried. All right. And uh, moving off of Thibodeau, uh, Jermaine Johnson is going to draw a lot of comparisons, basically because he's long and lean and he went to Florida State with Brian Burns. Um, where are the similarities? Where are they different? And what do you think of him as a prospect? Yeah, I love Jermaine Johnson, actually. You know, again, another Georgia player. So Georgia transfer had a great final season at FSU. I suppose the question would be, you know, what happened at Georgia? I think he's a pretty complete edge player, actually. He's a good pass rusher. You go and watch him against your guys, against Miami. Mm -hmm. You know, he gave Zion Nelson absolute fits. Uh, he spent to the other side and gave Jared Williams absolute fits. I think um, I think he sent Zion Nelson out of the first round. I think he, wait, wait. Nelson, I think he kept Zion Nelson in school for another year. Um, <laughs> yes, I you know, tend to agree. Bowl, at the Senior Bowl, I watched him up close. He was working with Kelvin Shepard, the former Dolphins linebacker. He's now the linebacker coach of the Lions. He's just built differently. He's just so long. He's got such long arms. He, he obviously, if you watched Last Chance U, he was a um, he was a, in season three of Last Chance U. He's just very powerful. He's very fast. So he ran a 155 10 yard split at the combine, which is you know incredibly fast. Um, he great, gives great effort away from the ball. He will run past his own teammates to get to the footballer in terms of backside, running down players' backside. Um, yeah, I am. Um, I think he's a really, really good player. I think he'll end up going in the top 10 or 12. Um, and like 6'5", 254 pounds, can get to the quarterback, you know, can play the run. He's um, he's a nice player. Yeah, it check, he checks every every single box. Now, uh, Dolphin fans make this mistake, and I've seen it, and it's been repeated many a time in uh, on OnlyFans. Uh, they look at that pick, 102, and they look at pick at 125, and they think, okay, we, we package those, and we'll fill a need with those picks. I don't think that that's the way they're thinking about those two picks. And if they are, I think they're making a huge mistake. Mm. So I think like, you know, BPA it's, if there was a time to just take the BPA, the best player available at one or two or one twenty-five, or package those two to move up maybe 10 or 15 spots to get what you perceive to be the, the best player available. I think that's what you do with those two picks which brings us to the Dolphins and as far as edge players. As on the roster right now, they, they got to be pretty happy with Emmanuel Agba, Jalen Phillips. You got Andrew Van Ginkle bringing, bringing up the rear on, on both, both ends. And then you have possibly Melvin Ingram who can sign. I'm told that they gave him an offer. We shall see if he signs before this, this thing airs or before the draft. But if you look at the roster, they can use a, dev a, a developmental guy or a guy for the bottom of the roster on the edge, maybe insurance against Andrew Van Ginkle leaving in a year because he is a free agent. And who knows, maybe he fires off a nice season and he's gone because they just can't pay him because you're going to have two pretty expensive edge players pretty soon. So your thoughts at 102 and 105 as far as an edge player for the Dolphins? Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me at all if they signed a defensive end or an edge at, at, at that position. I know people are talking about offensive line and, and centers and those sorts of things. I, I, I think if you look at the players that they're bringing in on their 30 visits, it's 90% defense. It's a lot of defensive backs. It's a lot of pass rushers. Um, you know, they've brought in most recently, you look at guys like... Um, you look at guys like, uh, who's the kid at Western Kentucky? So D'Angelo Malone, 
of Western mm. Kentucky, the former Conference USA Defensive Player of the Year. He played really well in the Senior Bowl. Dolphins have spent a lot of time with him. He's 6'4", 243. Um, high motor kid, well-liked, was on Bruce Feldman's 2021 and 2022 freak list. He's a bit of a kind of a Yannick and Gakwe, Bruce Irvin, kind of pass rushy sort of raw, but he's more versatile um, because I think he can play three, four outside linebacker, um, especially ones that use stand-up edges like we do because he seems a perfect fit for that. He, he's a really easy mover in space. He'll drop off in coverage. He's very, very versatile. You look at his stat sheet, he's got sacks, tackles for losses, pressures, forced fumbles, fumble recoveries, scoop and scores, block kicks, pass breakups, and interceptions to his name all at West, Western Kentucky. So, so he's one player that you look at. Dominique Robinson, again, hadn't seen any film of him at the Senior Bowl. By the end of the day, what, uh, the first day, I'd sort of marked my notepad with his name underlined, went back and watched him in the evening and was like, okay, you know, this was a kid that was making a lot of noise for Miami of Ohio, who was a former high school quarterback who then played three seasons of wide receiver, um, only switching to edge rusher in 2020, and then just played four games, obviously, in the COVID season. But he's got 84-inch wingspan. He's very fluid. He gave Bernard Ryman fits all day, every day. He's very explosive, 41-inch vertical at the combine. He's burst, he's bend, he's body control. Um He's a very, very interesting player. Um, I mean, the, the guy I absolutely love in the draft that we don't talk about is actually bigger than those two. And I have him significantly highly rate, more highly rated than probably most people. And that's Nick Benito of, um, of Oklahoma, mm. who I, I absolutely love. Yeah, he's a stand-up outside linebacker in Oklahoma's uh, defense. Um, he's 6'3", he's 248. He ran a 4.54. He looked fantastic in drills. He has got the fastest first step in the draft. Of, of that, there is no doubt. He is so versatile, so disruptive. He's a burst, dip, bend guy. He understands angles. He has the flexibility to get to the quarterback by using those angles. He'll rush many from the high side, but he gets off the ball so quickly. He's spin, he'll stutter. He's really well balanced. He'll drop off in underneath in coverage. He'll play as a spy. He can hoover up scrambling quarterbacks. I just, I absolutely love him. I think he's just an athletic wonder. He's a four-star recruit. He's obsessed with football. And most of all, he is a Miami Dolphins fan. Nick Benito mm. of Oklahoma, number 11, if you're watching any tape this evening or whatever, is such a good player. And I think he'll be a significantly better pro than he is a collegian. All right. Now I'm going to ask you about one player and we can move off of the edge players and defensive ends. Um, a guy who I, you know, I think fits the build as a, as a five, as a five tech is Zachary Carter of Florida your thoughts of him and your thoughts of him as at 102 or 125, will he be there? Is he being, am I overestimating his worth at 102, 125? And how do you like his fit? No, I think he's a, I think he's a really interesting player actually. And like the biggest, I suppose the biggest issue for me is that like, he's a really great kid. Um, the biggest issue for me is that, um, He's had some he's had some off field issues. He got he got ejected against Missouri. He ran onto the field, started throwing punches. He was suspended for a game. Um, but he's kind of turned it around. He's now a member of the SEC community team. Um, I find him a really interesting. He's sort of, sort of defensive tackle slash defensive end hybrid. He's six four two eighty two. He is a mismatch outside, even for power power wise, certainly. Um, but then can kick back inside and use that strength as a five technique or come in on sub packages inside where he, where he collapses the pocket. Long arms, 
Um, he's got the ability to get to the top of his rush and redirect. He can convert speed to power. He can uh, and therefore unbalance his man. You can you watch him on tape. He'll walk tackles back into the lap of the quarterback. Um, what he's done and what I really like is that he's gone back and looked at his life because he was a high four-star recruit. He's essentially turned his life around. He's changed his eating habits. He's got leaner. He's got faster. He's gone into the weight room to get stronger. And then he spent countless hours working with offensive linemen so that he can create more explosion at the snap, work on a more consistent pass rush plan to the point where there's not only nuance to how he attacks a tackle, but he's developed those third and fourth moves that a lot of players leaving college don't have. Um, love the relentless nature to his game. I think he's good against the run. I'd like to see him shed a little better when he's engaged, but he's a he's a good player. He's a good player. I like him a lot. All right, and I lied. I'm going to ask you about one more defensive end. Uh-huh. Uh, our quarterback, Tua Tungavaloa, has a, a cousin in the draft. Went to Notre Dame. Myron Tungavaloa Amosa. Uh, your thoughts of him as a as a player? I would say UDFA or um, no. I, I I suspect late day three guy. He might be an undrafted free agent. I'm just trying to find him actually because I think I'd probably put him in defensive tackles rather than uh, defensive ends. But I think I suspect he gets drafted um, because he's like a high. Um, He's a high uh, character kid. Uh, he's well regarded by by staff um, around Notre Dame. He is a kind of versatile, disruptive guy. He's just an irritant. Do you know what I mean? He's an irritating mm. high motor. So he's got these like three mantras: be high motor, maximum effort, get to the ball, and and that's what he did. He he played DT and three technique um, for his first four years at, at Notre Dame, and then essentially played defensive end as a grad student. And so he can play inside, outside. He can leverage guards. He's got good mass. He's, what, 282 pounds. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's a bit of a tweener, and he's probably maxed out a little bit physically. But he'll shoot the gap. He'll get off the ball quickly. You know, like we just talked about with Zachary Carter, what Tungavala or Amosa lacks is those consistent secondary moves, and he doesn't really have the juice or the burst to get home. But there's a nice little package of skills here. You watch him against Pitt. He'll walk the guard back into Kenny Pickett. He uses the guard's body literally as like pins at a, a bowling alley to not pick it down. He's got a bit of a spin move. He's got a nice swim. He's powerful with a bull rush. Um, you know, he's got hustle. He's also got injury issues. So, you know, he missed all of all but two games in 2018 with a broken foot and has missed games. Maybe it's a Tungavaloa trait, but he's missed games in each of 2019, 2020, two in 2021. But a team captain, almost joined the Navy. Just a really good kid. All right, moving off of edge players and defensive ends, we're going to move on to uh, the interior. Um, back to next-gen stats. They consider this the worst interior defensive line class in the last 16 years. Do you agree with that? They have only one guy worthy of a first-round grade, and that's Jordan Davis. They have three guys worthy of a first- or second-round grade, and Jordan Davis, DeMarvin Leal, Devonta White, and that's it, Wyatt, and that's it. All right. Uh, um, is it as bad a class as it looks on paper? I can't remember the last 16 drafts. I don't think it's that bad a class. I mean, I have Devonta Wyatt as the number one defensive tackle because okay. he's, just got, he's just got great get off. He can play, he can play three downs, uh, unlike yeah, Jordan Davis. Uh, you agree yeah. with me, by the way, Jordan Davis is probably going to play two downs in the NFL. Well, I mean, that's the concern about Jordan Davis is that, mm. you know, the bigger question for him is he has no pass rush potential really whatsoever. Um, you know, and therefore, if his values as a two-down disruptor, does that lessen his final draft spot? You know, he doesn't play third downs. You know, that, mm. he doesn't play third downs. I think he played 
there's a stat, and I can't remember what it is, but he played 18% of third down snaps at Georgia. I mean, that's that's a hugely small number. Um, you know, he is, obviously, he's the physical freak who ran the ridiculous time. He's fairly unique as a sort of space-eating, run-snuffing, pocket disruptor. But I think scheme is going to have to be pretty critical for him. Is he a 4-3 defensive tackle? Is he a nose tackle in a 34 front? He... I don't necessarily see him as a Vig Tavea type who just soaks up double teams and stops running backs between the tackles. Do you know what I mean? I, mm. I feel like, you know, to get the best out of him, you also want to free him up and give him a bit of a free roll to disrupt the pocket as a kind of agent of chaos um, as much as anything. But, um, but yeah, I mean, why isn't he on the field for third downs? He has three sacks the past two seasons, struggles to change direction, can't gather himself when he is redirected. He plays a little bit high, um, Effort-wise, there's lots of examples. I can give you lots of examples of him playing with sort of minimal effort, which would worry me. You know, this is a kid who, you know, he hid in the high school bathroom stalls to avoid weightlifting and at Georgia considered abandoning <laughs> football altogether. So, you know, there are some, you know, there are some issues. Yeah, he's a physical freak. You know, he's a planet theory guy, as, as Bill Parcells would, would would argue. You know, only so many guys on the planet who are this, that size and that uniquely athletically gifted. But to me, Devontae Wyatt is a better player. You know, his all-round skill set, his ability to impact the game on all three downs. He wins because of his pass rush ability. You know, you can line him up at a zero, one, three, five technique. You'll spy the quarterback. He'll look like a twitched-up linebacker when he does it. He'll loop in a stunt. Um, you know, he's the sort of ball of versatile energy player that you have to account for in every snap. And I would just prefer that to a guy who's uniquely athletic but might not be on the field a lot of the time. All right. And the Dolphins have spent like the better part of the last uh, six days coming into this podcast, signing very uninspiring zero techs. Yeah. Uh, John Jenkins is back. Benito Jones is back, <laughs> which, you know, I, I never thought that I'd see him again. I don't think he's a very good player. John Jenkins is a good player. Probably He's just limited and, and older and probably beat up. Uh, it also stands to reason at 102, 125, you can find, and I'm looking at it right here, and there's several names on there. You could probably find a guy that can play 10 snaps a game as a zero yeah. tech with sure. pick 102 or 125. Uh, your thoughts on who those guys might be? Well, you look at like a big, if you're looking for those big guys, Neil Farrell at LSU, who, was, uh, who played really well at the senior bowl, I thought <clears throat> he is 6'3". He's 338 pounds. I, he's nasty to me. He's got some day two upside. Um, I think he's a really interesting player. But you look at those bigger guys. Jaden Peavy of Texas A&M is 6'5", 319 pounds. He's a really good special teams player as well. I think he blocked four field goals and PATs with, with the Aggies. He's a kind of toolsy. You watch his game against Arkansas. It's absolutely outstanding. You know, you've got John Ridgeway at Arkansas is 327 pounds. For, you know, teams looking for a pure nose tackle, he'll, he'll have an absolute lot of value you know he's not gonna you know he's not gonna consistently collapse the pocket but as a two down run stuffer he plays with good technique keeps his teammates clean then you know that's an attractive proposition um for anyone you go down the list and look at you know mark one mccall of kentucky just a mammoth human being at 346 pounds you know absolute gap plugger real heft in the run game um but he's got a little bit of juice to press the pocket you know um, unlike some of the bigger guys he can he can press the pocket just a little bit. And, you, you know, you go down the list, Chris Hinton at Michigan, 312. You know, Earl Booker at Stanford, 312. Um, Tyree Stevenson at, at Tulsa is 365 pounds, you know. Mm. 
he's he's active. He's he can't consistently get off blocks, but he's an oak at the point of attack, and that's kind of you know that's what you're looking for. Taylor Humphrey of Louisiana, another absolutely massive human being at six five. 349 pounds he's played as a three technique and a two wide inside shade you know he's an interesting player he brings some nasty with him but he might be a you know might be a free agent undrafted free agent kind of guy he's had some off-field issues as well but you know there's a lot of bigger guys in the draft if you're just looking for somebody who can come in and play six eight snaps a game do you know what i mean mm. all right uh moving on to linebackers um this is a pretty good class and I, th- I think we both agree Nicobe Dean is probably the class of this class. Yeah. Uh, there's size issues there. Is, um, let's just say, is he scheme specific or can he play in, in more, more broader schemes in the NFL? I mean, or is Nicobe Dean just, you know, he's going to have to play on a certain, in a certain system? I, I think it will be a concern at 5'11, 229 pounds. But, you know, if you can keep him clean, if you can keep climbing linemen off him, um, then I think you'll, you'll be fine. So, uh, you know, having one of those big space eaters in front of you is great. I, I think where Dean wins scheme specifically or unspecifically is that he's so quick, he can get to landmarks quicker than other people can. But, you know, if you, have, if you look at a Jason Kelsey or a, you know, some some of the really fast interior linemen who can get to a landmark, then he will, you know, that's where he might struggle. He's not unafraid to take on blocks. You know, you really like him, but you want to make sure you really like him in that area. But you want to make sure that for him to be truly successful, you know, he's covered up because, you know, for him to maximise that skill set, staying clean from climbing blockers at the second level is... um is critical for his for his success but i just love you know he's got outstanding instincts he's a phenomenal processor he just seems a step ahead of everybody else you know all the time and his film is just littered with plays of that ilk where he just uses his instincts and his his processing ability to get to to get to the ball to get to a spot to get to the to a throw to get to the quarterback just ahead of you know anybody else um you know you look at him he lined up against he lined up against florida as a a man corner on the outside Mm. broke on the ball like a veteran cornerback and took it for took it for six to me he's absolutely safe as they come and i think he'll have a superior career in the nfl yeah now one guy that i I really liked and i did a lot of work on him and before we drafted tyreek hill at 29 which i think is a successful pick already uh i really loved demon clark at 29 Me too. He will not play in 2022. Uh, the comparisons for Jalen Smith have already come out. Uh, dare I say at 102, he will be available and the Dolphins can just draft and stash. Would you? Um, is that something you would do? What do you think are his prospects in this year's draft? I think it's a very interesting question. I don't think we can have a definitive answer because we haven't seen the medical. So if for mm. those that don't know, he turned up at the combine, was absolutely fine, but the medical checks discovered that he needed spinal fusion surgery because he had a herniated disc. Um, I thought ahead of the injury, he was one of the most under-the-radar players in the entire draft. I didn't think he played very well in 2020. I thought it was absolutely fantastic in 2021. He ticks a load of boxes. He is just a really good player. He's not amazing in coverage, Um but I think he is a, you know, he's the leader of that defense. He's all over his teammates in terms of getting lined up. He moves so well laterally. He attacks gaps going forwards. He's got great eyes. He's got great discipline. When I say he's got great eyes, that means he just reads the field really well. He's mobile. 
He takes on backs in pass protection. He can get to the quarterback. Uh, like laterally, I think he's the best in the class in terms of linebackers. You, you play, just make plays away from his, away from um, from where he is. Um, I just don't know the answer to that question. You know, he could be on the board at, yeah, he should be on the board when Miami come to pick first in at one hundred two. But he could also be an undrafted free agent because it just depends on how that surgery mm. affects him. I, I, I suspect he'll, I suspect. When push comes to shove, he'll probably fall into day three because of it. But also, if he was an undrafted free agent, I also wouldn't be shocked. I just, you just can't tell. But it feels like, you know, this is a kid who's mentored by Devin White. He is a, um, he's just scratching the surface of what he can become. He was a team captain. Um, he's loved at LSU. Uh, he's mature. He's got a two-year-old daughter. I just think he's a, a fascinating player and just a really good, really good linebacker. Yeah, although uh, you would disagree on the Jalen Smith comparisons because Jalen Smith, his issue was just, you know, his legs and his yeah, knee spine had... Spine is just such an issue, though, isn't it? Like, you just can never yeah. tell about spine. Yeah, like, you, you really can't, you know, and, and the evidence has been, you know, not that it's going to happen to Demon Clark, but usually the evidence is once you have what is a, a neck injury or any type of spinal injury that requires any kind of surgery, which it seems like the Clark is going to need fusion surgery. Uh, your career is pretty much short after that, if not over. So yeah, as a UDFA, as, as a seventh round pick, maybe you draft them in the seventh round. If, you know, if, if the word is that it's not all great, a draft and stash is something maybe you, you can do, but yeah, I don't think Jalen Smith, I don't think those are, correct comparisons Jalen Smith was just you know it's a knee issue and sure enough his ticking time bomb of a knee actually blew up this past year as his career seems to be over because he's not on a roster as of right now now everybody's trying to replace Alana Roberts and we've been trying to replace him for two years because you kind of want somebody to play alongside Jerome Baker that could probably play three downs and maybe interchangeable with Jerome Baker on certain defenses that Josh Boyer likes to play uh who are those guys at 102? Because I, I know there's one obvious one, but you tell me he's not going to make it to 102. That's Troy Anderson. Yeah, um, I, don't he, I don't think he will. Uh, so who can be those guys at 102 or maybe even 125? Um, I wonder how teams think about Brandon Smith, the Penn State linebacker. He's just 20, three down guy, but he's just inconsistent. And I suspect the inconsistent, inconsistency comes with age. Um, you know, he's only going to turn... I think he was 21 this week, actually, bizarrely. He's a 452-40 runner, um, and he's that fast on tape. Um, he just looks like he's falling off a cliff when he runs. You know, he's that he's that smooth a mover. He's that fast. Um, he didn't allow a coverage touchdown uh, over the last two seasons. He's very comfortable with a tight end or a back when he walks over to the slot and finds himself singled up. It's just the inconsistency. Um, and I think, you know, you'll probably see him as a sub-package cover backer earlier on. I mean, yeah. this was the the number 12 overall prospect coming out. He was a Gatorade player of the year in Virginia. Um, you know, he he is a he's a very interesting prospect. But um, I think that consistency, consistency issues that come with age might see him fall into Miami's area, probably goes earlier. Anderson, I think, just the scuttlebutt seems to feel like he's going... He's going significantly earlier. This is a kind of a, a defensive Taysom Hill. He, he's played running back at Montana State. He played a little linebacker. Then he was converted to quarterback for a season. Then he kicked back to defense. I mean, he had two and a half, 2,260 yards rushing, 1,100 yard games on the ground. He ran a 442 at the combine. He started for a season at quarterback. 
you know, he 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 kicked inside to to inside linebacker last year. Played outside the year before. He's toolsy. He's not overly instinctive, but he's incredibly athletic. Great tackler. Little inconsistent in finding the right gaps. Struggles to get off blocks a few times. Sort of lacks the juice in his hands of some in the class, and, and he relies a bit more on quicks than physicality. Obviously, can cover. Chad Moomer of Wyoming is a mm. guy, you know, who might fall into that area. He's 6'3", he's 239, he's big, he's tough, he's smart, he's athletic, he can run. Missed one tackle in 2021, so he's a really good, high-energy tackling machine. Yeah, he has. And by the way, he has freakish, freakish combine results. <laughs> yeah, he's a little bit... He, he can be a bit over-aggressive and it sort of takes so it over-pursue plays. He reminds me of Logan Wilson, the former Wyoming linebacker who now plays for the for the Bengals, I think he's an interesting guy. You know, there's a number of undersized guys. Like Jeremiah Gemmel of North Carolina has got the best eyes. He's the most instinctive guy in the, in, in the class. You know, and you look at Zach Thomas, when he was drafted by the Dolphins, he ran a 487-40, but he had a, you know, he, he had a 167 10-yard split. So instinctive, great eyes. And I'm not obviously saying that Gemmel is, is Zach Thomas, but there's nobody in the class that has better eyes or is more instinctive than, than he does. You know, he's a little bit undersized at 226, so that will probably... You know, but if you're looking for those bigger guys, there's a couple like people talking about Leo Chanel of of Wisconsin, a high motor kind of big body. I think he's probably a two down player in the pro, so I don't think he's very good in coverage. He's a bit stiff. A couple of guys I quite like: Aaron Hansford of Texas A&M, who's a uh, came as a big body wide receiver, then switched to tight end, then moved to linebacker. He's had a couple of injuries, but he's smooth. He can really run. He's a good tackler. He moves well laterally, changes direction well. He's a very good blitzer. I think Hansford is an interesting player to keep an eye on as a four-star recruit. Um, so there's him. And then Darian Beavers, who's a UConn transfer, who played for Cincinnati. I'm not a huge fan, personally, but 6'4", 252. He played well at the Senior Bowl uh, in reps against tight ends, played very well against Trey McBride and against um, the kid out of UCLA, uh, who I really like. I just felt on tape he was he was just a bit more clunky, a bit more inconsistent, but... You know, he it feels like he's getting a sort of late second round, uh, late second day, early third day grade, and that obviously falls into into Miami's area. So, and then you've got kind of you know you're looking like a Micah McFadden of Indiana, you're looking at a Mike Rose of Iowa State. He's kind of two down tackling machines who, you know, could play a lot of special teams, but might not. You know, the Jack Sanborns of Wisconsin who might not break the lineup necessarily but could offer some rotational ability but I, I think you know Brandon Smith is definitely one to keep an eye on as is um as is Chad Moomer and I, I you know like I said the scuttle but makes it feel like Troy Anderson isn't going to get there all right those are edge players those are linebackers those are interior defensive linemen uh when we come back we will talk defensive backs safeties cornerbacks maybe even punters but first a word from a sponsor. Are you a South Florida property owner with an insurance claim? Are you dealing with water, mold, or fire damage? Looking for a reputable, fully licensed, insured, and certified contractor? Water Cleanup of Florida is here for you 24 hours a day. When a disaster strikes in your home or business, you need specialized, fast, and reliable services. Water Cleanup of Florida understands the impact and stress an unexpected disaster may cause. With over 62 years of combined experience, Michael, Robert, and Eric and their team is prepared to handle any size disaster. The guys are born and raised in South Florida, so changing the narrative on the way contractors conduct business in South Florida is extremely important to them. Their objective is to make cleanup and insurance claim process painless and hassle-free. 
Water Cleanup of Florida is also a licensed building contractor, so they provide the A to Z service, one-stop shopping that busy homeowners and business owners require. There's no need to bring in other contractors. They will handle it all for you. Call or text them anytime at 561-408-7835 for immediate assistance. The number again, 561-408-7835. Water Cleanup of Florida. And we're back. Hello, Simon. Now we're talking defensive backs. I said, hello, Alf. <laughs> we'll start right here with a little bit of Dolphin talk. Do you share the optimism that most Dolphin fans, and it seems like coaches have, with Brandon Jones? Because if I had to bet, and I will, because I at the end of this show, uh, I guess we'll make some predictions. I'll make a bold one. Do you share their optimism with Brandon yeah, Jones that he's going to develop into what they want at the position? I think he's already what they want at the position in, in many ways. Because... But he's so bad in coverage, Simon. Yeah, but that's not what he's really used for. Do you know what I mean? He's used to mm. press the line of scrimmage. He's used as an alley runner. He's used as a box linebacker, uh, big nickel, whatever you want to call it. He's one of the best blitzing defensive backs in the NFL across yeah. the board. Um, I don't think they need him in coverage. You've got Eric Rowe, you've got Xavier Howe. You know, when you can match up on the outside the way that Miami do, you know, with their two corners, when you can put Nick Needham in the slot, when you've got Javon Holland who can play all over but is great in coverage, you've got Eric Rowe who can match up on tight ends, the, you know, with the best tight ends in the league. You don't need Brandon Jones to be, you know, he doesn't need to be Ronnie Lott. What he needs to be is exactly what he is. I think... What I think is great for him is that the defensive scheme has stayed the same, that he's stayed the same coordinators, uh, because I think that that, um, that Josh, uh, Josh Boyer, what's our defensive coordinator's name? Josh, Josh Boyer. Boyer will, um, uh, knows how to use him. And I think using him is is as an alley runner who can start from deep and can, can run down ball carriers to the outside, which he's very good at, or can funnel ball carriers back inside to linebackers or can just be around the line of scrimmage, be a menace, you know, knock receivers and tight ends and backs off their timing, can press the line of scrimmage in terms of his ability to blitz. You know, I think he's a very versatile player who can, who, you know, square pegs round holes is something we talk about all the time with the Dolphins never having done. I think if you put, I think if you put Brandon Jones in a, in a peg that he, in a hole that he isn't used to, then he will not be very good, but they found the perfect role for him. And I think, yeah, more power to him. All right. And uh, let's talk about one guy in, in, in specific. Uh, he's gotten a lot of bad press this, this run up to the draft. I have, I don't remember the last time there was this good a football player that had, I, I, don't, I wouldn't say he had a bad combine. He just didn't run very fast. And that's Kyle Hamilton. Um, he's a great player. I, 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 he's one of the better safeties that has come down the pike in, in a long time. Your assessment of him as, as a player, as compared to what's, what's been around the last few years. Yeah, I don't agree that he didn't run well at the combine. He was he's 6'4", 290 pounds. He ran 459. I mean, I thought he ran um, really well at the combine. He ran 474 as Notre Dame Pro Day, but who gives a fuck about that? Do you know what I mean? He's already hmm. run at the combine. Um uh, and to me, that leads to questions about, you know, I, I think it's a test case for not getting bogged down with what happens away from the field as it pertains to testing. You know, just just turn on the tape and w- watch what he does. You know, he's athletic. He's incredibly long center field. He's got great instincts. He's just one of the top three players in the draft regardless of position. Obviously, he's coming off a knee injury. 
He's not an amazing tackler. He can be a mediocre tackler at times. But you just look what he does in terms of the amount of ground. You can play him as a single high free safety and he can get sideline to sideline. Yeah, you watch him against Florida State in 2020. He gets sideline to sideline as well. In fact, he, he covers three quarters of the field. He comes from the slot on the front side against Florida State and runs three quarters of the field to make a diving interception on the sideline. I, I you know, against Boston College in 2020, he reads a short comeback way quicker than is humanly possible to be able to process and breaks on the ball only to drop the pick jumps in front of Zay Flowers will be a high pick next year drops the pick he's just got great recognition his game's just soaked with all the stuff that you you're looking for in a high level safety he can come down into the box he can run the alley uh I just you know but you just want to see him dictating play from deep because that skill set just allows defenses in front of him to do so much more because it's just what we do with John Holland you play him single high. You know that he can get around the field. He's patient. He's yeah. He's a high floor, high ceiling player who should develop into to one of the best in the league at his position. And, and he's grown up around football. Mm. You know, his his father worked for the Falcons, so he grew up around Bob Whitfield and Jamal Anderson and Chuck Smith and Terence Mathis. And you know, he's been around football. He was third on Bruce Feldman's freak list. I mean, Matt, you know, that's some statement. He is a, he's a free. I mean, his dad was a third round pick of the New Jersey Nets in the NBA. You know, he was a star in the Greek, ended up playing the Greek league. Hamilton was born in Greece. He grew up there. He lived in Russia. He lived in Italy when his dad was playing basketball. He moved to Atlanta when he was eight or nine years old. I mean, he was at LSU summer camps under Jimbo Fisher when he was eight years old. You know, this, that's how highly rated he was. He was three foot 10. He weighed 47 pounds. He ran an eight, two in the 40. That's not, I'm not even making those numbers up. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I, he's a wonderful player. All right. Uh, other guys that fit the bill as far as the first two days, uh, as far as safeties, because usually that many, not many go in the first two days. Uh, I believe last year was well, how many? Four. Yeah. Strong- was Javon Holland, which was a hell of a pick. It's a strong safety class. I mean, you've got Hamilton at the top, but you've got Daxton Hill of Michigan, who's Devin McCourty for 2022. He's a lovely player, you know, archetype of modern day secondary plays, fluid, he's sudden, he's athletic, he can play nickel corner, he can play safety, he can run the alley, he's a special team standout. He should be a first round pick. Jaquan Brisker, uh, Penn State, nobody attacks the line of scrimmage and offensive lineman like he does. He's a really good player. He can play center fielder as well as uh, as well as in the box. Lewis Sign of of Georgia is just rangy, he's a height, weight, speed, rangy, free safety, just tons of potential. Big hitter, urgent alley runner. Jalen Petrie at Baylor played really well. He's a bit of a Tyran Matthew sort of player, uh, Big 12 Defensive Player of the Year. These are all kind of guys who are going to go top 40, top 45 picks. I, I don't think Miami will be looking at a safety. I, I, I really don't. But if they were, Brian Cook of Cincinnati, mm. I think he's a really good player. Um, He's an alpha enforcer. I suspect he's going to be a second day guy, um, sort of mid second day guy. But he's yeah, got, he flashed in every single game I watched him play. Yeah, yeah, you know he's he had 370 snaps in the box. He had 291 at the third level, 196 in the slot last season. You know he's comfortable in single high. He's comfortable in the slot. He's got decent hip turn. He's got great instincts. Uh, to me, he's just a really solid. Start the guy that interests me that the Dolphins are bringing in this week actually is Nick Cross, the Maryland safety. He is a 434, he ran the fastest time of any safety. I think he's going to be scheme specific. Um, I don't think you want him in cover situations or playing single high. I like how he plays with the ball in front of him in zone, but he's a bit sticky in the hips to be matched up against you know twitchier outrunners. Um, but I think he wins with the physicality and his ability to come down in the box from a split safety look and just knock the shit out of people because he's instinctive. He's got a good football IQ. 
but he comes down big and hard and flows to the football really, really well. I think it, for, for teams that are, I think teams will look at him as a late day two, early day three guy who are looking for that height, weight, speed guy at strong safety um, because he's athletically, athletically gifted. Um, and when he hits the box, it's, um, yeah, it's, it can be lights out. Yeah. And uh, talking about 102 and 125 as far as safeties, um, I'm going to bring up one guy. I think, and I've watched every single snap this kid's played at the University of Miami. Uh, Bubba Bolden just had a bad year. Uh, he's fast. He has size. He's always been an instinctual player, always been around the ball, has, has, a, has a knack for finding the ball. But as an NFL player, I don't know what round you'd give him, but I think that he's hurt his stock with his play his final year at the University of Miami. Your thoughts on Bubba Bolden? Yeah, I just, I don't like him as a player at all, actually. Um, I think his game's kind of littered with issues. He is really inconsistent. He doesn't have great ball skills. He reminds me of Taylor Mays. Remember when people used to talk mm-hmm. about Taylor Mays being, yeah. and Taylor Mays couldn't take good angles. He missed tackles. He took bad angles in coverage. He took bad angles in the run game. And that, to me, is the heart of Bolden's problem. He triggers downhill but he just misses angles. He'll consistently over-pursue. He doesn't have great eyes. He doesn't have great vision. As a single high safety when he was in Miami, you just saw receivers running wide open over the top all the time. There's mm-hmm. also some, you know, some off-field issues. I mean, let's, you know, let's not forget that he played a year at USC, but left because he was going to be suspended for two years after he was found in violation of eight sections of the USC student code. He was at a party essentially where he alleged to have made criminal and death threats to other partygoers, including members of USC's women's volleyball team. Um, he's had injury issues. He, so he suffered a seizing ending ankle injury in 2019. He uh, hurt his shoulder in 2021, missed the rest of the season. I, uh, I'm not a Bubba Bolden fan. I've got to say, I think he's, he's high cut and he hits hard, but, um, and he's got great size, but I just, I just don't see it. Yeah, he's in. He's another in a long list of University of Miami safeties that have size and can run fast. Sheldrick yeah. Redwine is who's on the Dolphins roster right now. By the way, uh, is the same thing. You know, you know that six one, two hundred and ten pound, you know four four forty type guy. Uh, I think Bubba Bolden's just the latest in that group. I don't think. Let's call it fifth round because somebody's going to look at 6'2", 215 pounds at 445 and say, okay, he can play for us. But, yeah, not for me, Clive, as you would say. (laughs) One guy to keep an eye on would be Quentin Lake of UCLA. He's the son of Carnell Lake, um, the great all-pro Steelers safety. Yeah, number 37. Yeah, he's just a, a good player. He's solid. He can play in the slot. He's great in 1v1s. He's rangy on the back end. He's got good special teams ability. He's got instinct. He's got smooth hit, uh, smooth hips. He's got good eyes. He's got a great football brain. He's a solid tackler. He, this is just a guy who'll be a weapon on special teams. He'll be a plug-and-play player at free safety, at nickel corner, at strong safety, at dime linebacker. I, I think Quentin Lake is a sort of Miami Dolphins type safety, if that's what they're looking for, in terms of just you look at the makeup of their, of their safety room. He just fits the bill as as somebody. The other guys, Reed Blankenship at Middle Tennessee State, is just a same school as Kevin Byard. The, the coach who coached Byard said that says that Blankenship is a better player than Byard was at the at the same time. 
Um, you know, 400 career special team snaps, 3,638 defensive snaps, 51 starts. He's the he is one of the rangiest safeties in the in the entire draft. You know, he will move forwards, backwards, sideways. He hustles. He's got great ball skills. He's got good instincts. He'll come down the alley and finish. Yep, lower level of competition is definitely a thing, but he was excellent at the Shrine practices. Um, he's a really interesting player as well. All right, and moving on uh, to cornerbacks. Uh, your draft guide is called uh, Gridiron 2022 Draft Guide. If I had a draft guide, I would call it Searching for a Keep to Leap because uh, every single year I bring them up because I remember <laughs> I remember the draft in 2008 where I loved Akeem Tlaib. I thought he was the perfect cornerback prospect. He ended up going 20th overall to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Since then, five Pro Bowls, two All-Pros, a Super Bowl champion. Uh, I guess that draft pick panned out. So every single year I look for Akeem Tlaib, that long, lanky, sticky, good man corner. This year we have one. He also has a great name great nickname because his name is Ahmad, Ahmad Gardner, but they call him Sauce, Sauce Gardner. Is he more a keep to leave or are we talking about Greedy Williams again? Um, I think he's Greedy Williams again. Wow. Okay. Um, so uh, I haven't always bought the hype with him. I didn't think he was very good. So I watched him in a lot of isolation over the summer of last year. And was like, I don't really understand why people are talking. Like, he got abused by Dylan Gabriel at UCF. He got abused by Calvin Austin at Memphis. Um, he is so handsy. He is so grabby that he could end up easily as a uh, as a penalty machine. And look, he's got it all. He's got size. He's got length. He's athletic. He's confident. He's tenacious. He's got loads of plus traits. He didn't give up. A didn't give up a touchdown in his career. He didn't give up more than 13 yards to any receiver in 2021, but he does get a little flat-footed. He does get a little grabby, and that was that's what makes me nervous. He's incredibly thin. He's especially in the lower half. He's he's rail thin, you know. But he don't get me wrong. He is a very very good player. But there are times down the field where he finds it impossible to keep his hands off a, a receiver. He will armbar receivers. He initiates contact time and again beyond five yards. And there's times when he just stops his feet moving, he falls behind in the rep, he gets unbalanced, and then he gets panicky, and he sort of fights to get back in the play. He's tugging, he's pulling. It's uh, I, I think better technique will absolutely help him. But people talking about him as going second overall, I just like man, I just do not see that. Not in a really good cornerback class. I just uh, well, I here's a here's a a little quiz section, and I guess I'm giving up the lead here. But do you know which is the most commonly mocked name to number four the new york jets yeah well i mean they need corners so so yeah, yeah. it's sauce gardner so that, that got that makes you feel good as a dolphin fan now if this sure. is what you believe of sauce gardner but you're playing in a division with uh you know tyreek hill and Jalen waddle and stefan diggs and a you know high level passing attack in buffalo and you know so it's not surprising the jets need corners but yeah, I mean, you can only pick the players that are on the board. So, but yeah, I, I think he's a guy. Look, don't get me wrong. I think he's a really good classic press corner. He's got speed. He's physical. He can redirect really well. He uses his hands in terms of that physicality better. But like in 2020, he rarely touched a receiver at the line at all, you know. Mm. Um, but the aggression just I, it feels to me like 
you know, he could get penalized a lot. All right. And, and if we're talking and you said that, you know, every time you looked up, you know, there was there was games where Ahmad Gardner was getting abused. Um, Derek Stanley has put more Alabama wide receivers in the first round than I don't know what. Maybe it's just the Alabama wide receivers that they're all pretty, pretty good. But his tape is littered with him getting absolutely smoked against Alabama. Um, your thoughts of him as a prospect, what's happened to him? Because he's been, I'm seeing him mocked in the top 10. So let's not say that, you know, he's done this precipitous drop, but in 2020, uh, about two years ago, uh, some of the first mocks that Mel Kuyper had, the two year advance mocks had him in the top three. So he hasn't dropped too much. I don't get it as a, as a prospect. He's a fine cornerback, but top 10 for me. No. Your thoughts. You're buying, you're buying the 2019 tape. Yeah. You know, he looked a rock solid top three pick after that freshman season. He should have won the Thorpe Award. I thought he was the best defensive player in college for a defensive back in college football. Um, there are talks about legendary 1v1 matchups with him and Jamar Chase. I think he's got some of the best feet I've seen in 20 years in terms of a cornerback. To me, he drips size, length, patience, footwork, explosion ball skills, instincts. I'm not surprised that in 2020 he had a down year, given that he was 19 years old, came off a national championship season where he was the best corner in college football and had a bit of a sophomore slump. I don't, that doesn't surprise me at all. I think the issue for me is that he got injured last year um, and we really didn't see what he was. So you are buying, like I said, the 2019 tape, but you throw on that film, you see a physical guy, somebody who can redirect with his hands, he's balanced, the feet are brilliant. Like I said, he can crowd his man. He'll He's subtle in how he works his man to the sideline. Um, but he's inconsistent, you know, because of what's happened. Because of the injury, the foot injury, um, which has become a thing. Um, you know, it's he suffered a torn ligament in his left foot, only played three games. Um, yeah, it's you're buying the 2019 tape, but I think talent-wise he might be the most gifted player in the whole draft in terms of his pure athletic talent. All right. We gave the, we gave our, our listeners one spoiler alert, which is um, Aiden Hutchinson, which I, I don't think it was much of a spoiler. A lot of people think he's the best edge player in the draft. This one is a spoiler and we'll give them just this one. Remember by the draft guide. I own it. Many own it on, on only just get it. You could tell the people again how to get it, Simon, after you tell us about your number one rated corner, Andrew yeah. Booth, because he's not mine. I'll give you mine afterwards. But tell us about your number one rated corner, Andrew Booth Jr. from Clemson. Yeah, I just think, this. look, you talk about Clemson corners, and over the last few years you thought about Clemson corners coming to the NFL, but that kind of narrative has begun to change. You look at AJ Terrell, become one of the best cornerbacks in the league, your top five corner in the league, really. Um, and it's not really fashionable to have anybody over Source Gardner, but I, I thought in multiple games over two seasons, there was just no reason for me not to have him as the number one guy. You know, he is raw, you know, 15 starts, 981 defensive snaps in three seasons. There have been some mental lapses and some focus issues, but he's got everything you look for in, in a number one corner. He's scheme diverse, he plays zone, he'll play man, he's physical, he's athletic, he's got great feet, he's balanced, he's an excellent tackler. You know, he he will mirror, he can sit in the hip pocket, he can flip his hips and run, he can sit in trail. Um, he's got great short area quickness and he attacks the ball as well as 
JC Jackson or an Xavier Howard in terms of in terms of making interceptions. He's just got tremendous leaping ability. He's got great speed, both in the early strides, but also down the field. Um, I, I think he's a really, really good player. I don't think he had a great 2021, um, but I think he is uh, as a team captain. He was the eighth best player overall in the nation in high school. Um, he's got some knee issues, um, some leg injuries. He hurt his knee as a high school senior. He's had some tendonitis there. He tore a patella tendon. Uh, as a freshman at, at Clemson, but on the field, on tape, I, I just think he's a legitimately really good player. All right, and tell the people again how they can get the draft guide. Uh, so if you go to, you can look at my social uh, at Cyclancy uh, at three yards per carry. You can go to at Gridiron or at Read Optional, but you can just type in either Read Optional into uh, your search engine or go to readoptional.substack.com forward slash draft guide that's read optional r-e-a-d-o-p-t-i-o-n-a-l dot substack dot com forward slash draft guide and of course check our 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 own twitter account at three yards per carry there's gonna be something in there i'm certain uh my fear in this draft is that the jets will grow brain pass on a mod gardener at four and lay in wait at number 10 and take trent mcduffie I think this is, he is going to be such a good player in the NFL. Uh, the only concerns that people seem to have on him, as far as scouting reports, is his length. He has 29 and three-quarter inch arms. Uh, I, don't, I don't know what his wingspan is. I do know his tape. I've watched him play. I just absolutely love the player. He's absolutely fearless. He will come in and stick you. He'll bait throws. He can run. He ran 4 4 4 I absolutely love Trent McDuffie. I think he's a surefire pick, and I, I hope that he does not fall to one of our direct competitors, namely the Jets, because yeah. I think he's exactly what they need. Uh, Lance Zerline also loves him. He gives him a, a fabulous NFL comparison. Jair Alexander, uh, yeah. your thoughts? Do you agree with him? And your thoughts on Trent McDuffie overall as a player? I, I like him a lot. I actually don't think he's the best corner coming out of Washington. I think that's actually Kyler Gordon. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, I think he's a really good player. I think he's a high floor, safe, hugely consistent, really solid guy. You mentioned that he kind of lacks the length, certainly lacks the production of some in the class, but just solid, translatable skill set. He's a hustle player. You know, he plays the run really well. He's got a real nose for, for the run. Uh, he looks, he, he's got experience. Jimmy Lake, the Washington uh, DB's coach, runs a sort of cover three, man cover three scheme. Quick feet, good body control, um, trails really well. He's just a fun guy to watch. I think you know, and he's actually the sixth corner on my on my board, which is testament to how good this corner class is. Because you know, he mm-hmm. ran a ten eighty two hundred meters in twenty nineteen. He's a film study like Maven. He absolutely loves um, studying film. I actually have a comparison to Jair Alexander for another player in this in this draft, not mm-hmm. Trent. But um, but yeah, I I think McDuffie's an excellent player, and I suspect he'll probably go higher than I have him on the board. But just for me, there were just a couple of other players who were just a hair better. In your opinion, he would be overdrafted at number 10 to the Jets, or that's just fine? No, I think that, that I, I, that's not where I draft him. Okay. I have Booth, Gardner, Stingley, Kyler Gordon, his teammate at Washington, Roger McCreary of Auburn, and then McDuffie. But I, I suspect the NFL has McDuffie higher, and that's absolutely fine. They're the NFL. Mm-hmm. I'm just me. <laughs> McCreary right. is the guy that reminds me of Alexander. Okay. Actually. Roger McCreary of Auburn. 
Yeah, yeah. So just size, physicality, ball skills. They just, you know, I, I watched him up close at the um at the senior bowl. His, his hips are ridiculous. He's so smooth as a mover. Um, he's just he's just an alpha. He's battle tested in the SEC. He's tough. He's really instinctive. He's just a really good bump and run press corner. Can play inside or out. Some teams think he's a nickel. I think he plays outside. Uh, he's got really short arms, twenty eight inches or something. Um, they're they're very short, but he is a um he's a good player. He's a good player. Yeah, like, this you watch is a him Burks. You watch him against Mechie. You watch him against Jameson Williams. You watch him against um, the kid from LSU whose name completely escapes me, but will be a a high pick next year. Um, you know, he's he's really good. Um, every year, if somebody wants every well, everybody wants an Alabama cornerback. If you've noticed, one has gone in the first round. <laughs> Excuse me going on four years now uh the alabama guys this year do you want them uh, are, are those guys that should be highly drafted should be highly thought of i am i'm not a big fan of armor davis joshua joby I, I think he's one of my favorite players in the draft actually if he's okay one more year he'd have been a high first rounder um mm. i think you go back and look he's only a one-year starter you go out and look at him at the start of 2021 and then look at him towards the end of 21 the light comes on midway through the season and towards the back end of the year i mean it clicks really quickly he has got an incredibly intriguing skill set he'll play outside he played inside he plays safety his ability and he's raw but his ability as a technician is way more advanced than guys that will go in the first round he's patient he will bait his opponents he doesn't open up his hips too quickly he'll transition he's quick he's got fluid feet he uses arms really well he can mirror backwards. He can mirror laterally. Uh, it's This is high-level stuff from a guy. Look, there's things to clean up. Yeah, his feet get caught under him a little bit when he transitions. He's a little bit high in his back pedal, but these are, like, really easy to coach. He ran a 4-3 at the combine. He's great in run support. I mean, to me, this is a, a future cornerback one in a press or off-man scheme because all the issues, I think, are eminently coachable. He was the number one corner in the state of Alabama, the number three corner in the in – the, um, in the nation, he works um, with the same footwork coach that Xavier Howard works with. Um, he's nicknamed the Kick Slide King because his feet are so good. He ran a ten eighty seven hundred meters in high school. He reminds me of Darius Slay. He's just a really he's a high character kid, football junkie. I think he's really good. Josh Job is the other corner who's been around for years at at, at Bama. Um, you know, he's feisty, chippy. Uh, he's been penalized 18 times in the last two seasons, um, which is a massive issue. Mm. Um, but I, I, I quite like him. He reminds me of Dion Bush, the former Bear or the current Bears corner. I think he probably could end up as a nickel safety. Um, I like him, uh, you know, but that he he does have some some issues. But yeah, he he doesn't tackle particularly well. He loves a little late push or an extra shoulder, those sorts of things. Um, but yeah, he's like a mid to late day three guy. Hmm. All right. You liked Trent McDuffie's teammate. Do you like Ahmad Gardner's teammate, Kobe Bryant? Yeah, I, I don't mind him. I don't. I don't dislike him. Um, I think he obviously is the Thorpe Award winner. He's a sixty-three games, started fifty. So you know, you wonder kind of how much better he's going to get. But he's a bit like a. Um, I don't watch a lot of basketball, but he's a bit like a point guard. He's got that sort of fast break mm -hmm. mentality to swoop on the ball. Good ball skills. He understands routes and landmarks and sit down points in zone. I think he's best suited as a zone corner um, because he just understands the nuance of, of zone defense. Um, he's got a high football. He's a coach on the field, high football IQ. 
Um, he ran a 4-4 his pro day, but I don't see that speed. He's not really twitchy, but he's good in run support. I think he's sort of solid, unspectacular. I wonder how much better he'll get. Um, but I think in the right scheme, he'll be a decent player with a heavy dose of special teams thrown in. All right. And now we're going to move on to 102 and 125 and what the Dolphins can use there. It stands to reason that Xavier Howard will be here long term. Byron Jones, probably not. Uh, maybe if you read the writing on the wall, maybe one more season here. Nick Needham is a guy that just signed a one year tender. So that's a guy that they're going to probably want to re-sign. First of all, where do you stand on Noah Igbenogany? And at 102, 125, cornerbacks make, cornerback makes a lot of sense, especially on such a deep, deep class. They brought a lot of corners in um, for workouts. Um, I think for Noah, it's shit or bust, obviously. Um, mm. if it's not gonna, I was told by one Dolphins front office member that if it's not going to work with Sir Tanner Madison, it's not going to work at all. So this mm. is the him um at 102 for the dolphins i think armor davis if he gets to 102 would be an absolute lockdown um at 102 i think there's a couple of sort of uh, there's a small school kid zion mccollum who i thought played really well at the senior bowl he runs a 433 sam houston state kid i think he is a very i mean he's got such he's got great upside good football brain. Marcus Jones, the kid at Houston, inside, outside, can play safety, can play wide receiver, played quite a bit of wide receiver last year as well. He's a great return man. The, the, the Dolphins already said they're looking for a return man as well. Um, I think he's probably a slot, but he's just a great playmaker in the return game. Um, and there's a couple other guys that they brought in. There's a, there's a kid at Washington, Jalen Watson, who the Dolphins brought in, uh, Washington State, sorry, um, who somebody tipped me off about in, in Mobile, generating a bit of buzz. He's got some upside. He's got some... Yeah, he's really inexperienced. He signed with USC. Um, he signed with USC. Then he went to Ventura Community College, was a two-time All-American, then re-signed back with USC, never enrolled. So went back home to Georgia and worked at Wendy's for a season before signing mm. with Washington State. Played four games for Wazoo in 2020 and then a full season in 2021. He was a Pac-12, um, first-team Pac-12 uh, player of the year very physical big a 6-2 197 uh, I thought he looked really good at the senior bowl he's raw but he's patient he can bait receivers he can bait corners he's a really good gunner on special teams um, he's an interesting guy that I think uh, I think the Dolphins might might look at in that sort of area all right and I guess that will conclude all the position players we're going to talk about specialists and namely one guy really Dolphins sign Thomas Morstead. Do you think that that keeps them from going after the punt god, Matt Ariza? And do they even have a shot at 102? Because I've seen him mocked earlier than 102. Yeah, I don't think they'll take a punter at 102, given the the, the, the lack of picks they've got. Um, I mean, he's a great punter. I mean, he's the like the Bryson DeChambeau of punting, I think. You know, <laughs> yeah. Field flipper. For you people know, who for people who don't know who Bryson DeChambeau is, very long hitter on the yeah. on the PGA tour. The golf scientist as well. He like puts science into all his clubs of the same length and all that sort of yes. stuff. Ariza is essentially the same in a way. He does a lot of technical work on it. So he he has a strange drop. It comes from the opposite hand to his foot. So you see punters holding the ball flat in their right hand, boot with their right hand. Ariza holds in his left and drops drops to his right. Uh, carries a ball around with the whole time practicing things he's actually a really good place kicker as well um 
but I mean, he has 18 punts of 60 yards. He has two 80 yarders and one 90 yarder. Um, and when you consider, so the, the two 80 yarders, you consider there's only been 10 80 plus yard punts in the NFL since the turn of the century. He had two last year. Um, he averaged 51.2 yards per kick. People say, oh, what about you out kicking your coverage? But he's really not because what happens is he kicks and then the return man has to, has to back himself up. 5, 10, 15 yards to get the ball, which allow the kick coverage team to get down the field to where they would have been to their landmarks if the kick had been kicked by a normal human being. Um, he's just got a foot like a traction engine. It just comes off just boom. He's a, yeah, he's a fantastic punter. Yeah, what do you think? He... On day two, but I think... Um, oh, okay, so you got him day two. Uh, he has the talent to go on day two. I don't know that he will. All right. All right, to close this out, we're going to do something a little bit different here. Now, we've done it before. One time we actually, well, actually, we've hit it like three times. We've actually been pretty good at this, okay? It's very hard to actually pick at, one, you know, what they're going to have at 102. So let's just say who will be the Dolphins' first draft pick in this draft. I will go first. Go on. Man, I've been leaning Rashad White forever. Yeah. But something tells me that James Cook is going to be the guy. He'll be the first running back for them. He'll be their first pick in the NFL draft. I want to say Rashad White, but I'm not going to. I'm going to say that they'll, their first draft pick this coming week is going to be James Cook out of Georgia, the running back. Yeah, I think that's a really good shout. I'm going to say one of, I'm going to say one of four players, James Cook, Zach Tom, Hmm. Angelo Malone or Jalen Armour Davis. Those are I like all, all all of those players. All those Zach Tom is 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 a good shout out as well. Uh, by the way, I think that's who Chris Kaufman thinks will be the pick. He thinks that they have him earmarked, and that they might package all their picks just to move up to secure him. All right. Well, that's gonna that's gonna do it. All right. That's our draft guide. We, I will edit a version of this where, you know, I'm going to take out all the fluff. And I'm just going to put all the analysis into it. It's going to be about three hours worth. Okay. So you're going to have plenty to listen to as you lead into the draft. Enjoy the draft. We will be in Las Vegas. Me and Chris Kaufman will be in Las Vegas. Simon did not make the trip, is not going to make the trip, unfortunately. But, you know, why would he? You're just going to go and you're going to stare at the, at the screen for, for two days, waiting for them to pick in the... <laughs> In the third round. Next year. So, yeah, next year. Well, where is it next year anyway? Um, That's a great question. I can't remember, actually. Let's have a look. Oh, is it Detroit? Detroit. Um, Cleveland next year. Oh, it's in Cleveland. It's going to be in Cleveland twice? Oh, no, that's, I've just made that up completely. <laughs> uh, so Kansas City 2023. Okay, that's a worthwhile trip. Yeah. Then I think Detroit 2024, is that right? Yeah, I don't know why they're 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 even doing that. Yeah. But I guess they're not gonna give them a Super Bowl, so give them a draft. They're gonna give Miami one. They gotta do a draft down here. It's yeah. it's, it's perfect fun. down here. Imagine on South Beach. Absolutely. It, it'll be a great draft. You could you could have it right there on the sand. Uh, the Las Vegas one's gonna be great. Uh Las Vegas is a big event town. They're gonna have the Super Bowl in a couple of years because this year is in phoenix and then the following year is going to be in las vegas 
So Las Vegas is getting a draft and a Super Bowl two years from now. So great event town. That's going to be a great draft. Try to enjoy people. I know you're going to be sitting around waiting forever. We're going to try to offer you some content this week. Uh, Dolphins don't have too many picks, so don't expect too much content. But be looking for plenty of stuff out on our on our podcast feeds. See you then. Thanks for listening to Three Yards Per Caddy. You can subscribe via iTunes, on Podbean, or your usual podcast provider. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.